This is Scripture on Creation, a question and answer format radio program hosted by Dr. Ben Scripture. With a Master of Divinity, a PhD in Biochemistry, and over 30 years of experience studying and teaching about creation, he is well equipped to address current perspectives on creation, science, and intelligent design with biblically and scientifically sound answers. This and past programs are also available as a free podcast so you can listen anytime. If you have a question for Dr. Scripture, contact information follows the program. And now, Scripture on Creation. Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in today's program, you want to address a question which you received from a listener. And this question makes a connection between creation and the cross. Yes, Scott, I received a question from a longtime listener, Everett Tarver. And I think his question is especially interesting because it refers to an issue that I think most Christians who have a fair level of Bible knowledge would have an answer for. But I wonder how many would actually be able to support their answer from Scripture. You mean they'd be able to say, and that's not what I say, that's what Scripture says. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, I've heard that somewhere before, Mm. and I think it's a great rule to live by when a person wants God's perspective concerning answers to life's questions. On that note, Dr. Scripture, what was Mr. Tarver's question? Okay, the question is, does Scripture teach that all of creation had to be redeemed, and if so, was it accomplished on the cross? So, first of all, let's consider carefully the idea of what redeemed means. The most basic idea is to buy back. And we find that idea introduced very early in the Old Testament. The thing is, the Hebrew word galal, which is generally translated redeem, the first time that word is used is in Genesis chapter 48, where Jacob is blessing Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And in verse 15 of Genesis 48, it says, And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, Hmm. bless the lads. Now, in this situation, you know, there isn't really any price that was paid by the angel of the Lord to redeem Jacob from evil, or another way of explaining that is calamity. The idea of being redeemed that Jacob is talking about is more one of being saved from calamity or evil. And we know God did this several times in Jacob's life. So it's interesting that closely tied to the concept of being redeemed or redemption, which is the noun form of redeem, is the concept of salvation. Hmm. And that connection between redemption and salvation occurs throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament alike. The thing is, The salvation of humanity did require a price. So, in the Old Testament, where there are many laws, for example, which give the requirements for redeeming something, generally we find there is a cost for redeeming those things. So, it seems that in the Old Testament, we're taught the general principle that redemption occurs at a cost. In other words, it's not free. Well, that's it. So, as we see over and over again, many of the practices God commands for Israel teach lessons about Jesus Christ and his work on behalf of all the people of God. 
And so in this case, redemption had a price. And of course, we know the price was Jesus' life. So with that in mind, let's look at the next example where God redeems his people. It occurs in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, where God tells Moses what to say to Israel when he sends him to deliver them from slavery. It says, Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So now again, we see in this case that God doesn't pay Pharaoh for the Israelites. In fact, in a way, God makes Pharaoh pay for all the evil he perpetrated on Israel. And in fact, another way Galal is translated sometimes is with the word avenge, not redeem. So, you know, it's almost as though payment can go either way, sort of like pay for or pay back. (laughs) So here in the Exodus passage we just read, the idea here is more like salvation than payment as well as in that first situation that we read in Genesis. But then when we read the laws God gives to Israel, we start seeing the concept that redemption requires some form of payment, and we start seeing that more and more, especially through the law. So, let me read one more passage. It's Leviticus 25:25. In this law it says, if a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor, he has to sell part of his property, then his nearest kinsman is to come and buy back what his relative has sold. Now, that's the New American Standard Bible translation. And you notice the word redeem is not used to translate any of the words in that verse. Right. However, the word actually occurs three times in the verse. Let me show you what I mean. Scott, you read Leviticus 25, 25 from the New King James Version. Okay, it says, If one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possession, and if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold. Well, there the concept of redeeming, meaning to buy back, is really obvious. Yes, and so that's why the New American Standard Bible actually translated it that way, buy back. So we're not going to read now all the different kinds of redemption laws in the Old Testament. What I wanted for us to see is the idea of redeemed has as its fundamental meaning, we might say, basically a change in ownership, usually involving a change from an owner who isn't the original owner to the person who is the rightful owner or original owner. That's like Boaz in the book of Ruth. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot about redemption in there. Very good. And very often that change is described as salvation, but certainly not always. So with that in mind, when we think of all creation and whether or not it had to be redeemed, in other words, did ownership need to be changed, what is that referring to? Well, if the original owner was the creator— But if Satan then became the owner, I suppose somehow ownership would need to be transferred back to the Creator. Okay, now there's no argument that the Creator owned all creation. In fact, we've seen over and over again the principle that God owns Mm -hmm. the heavens and the earth on the basis that He made them. But the idea that Satan became the owner of all creation, where does that come from? I mean, ownership is a pretty strong word. 
Well, something certainly changed at the fall, and the Bible refers to Satan as at least being the ruler of creation now, doesn't it? Oh, yes, that's right. Jesus himself says in John chapter 12, verse 31, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And, of course, Jesus is referring to the ruler of the world as Satan. And he also refers to Satan two other times in John as the ruler of the world. But even more compelling is the exchange between Satan and Jesus in the wilderness when the devil is tempting him. Mm. The devil says to Jesus, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. And Satan gets no argument from Jesus, which is pretty (laughs) astounding, isn't it? So, Scott, I think you're right when you point out that Satan became the owner And it happened as a result of the original owner handing it over to him. And so how and when could that have happened? I think we must come to the conclusion that it happened when Adam and Eve sinned. The Lord said Adam and Eve would die when they ate the forbidden fruit, and they did. That is, they spiritually died. In other words, they were separated from God, being transferred, we might say, from the kingdom of light into the kingdom of darkness. And as rulers of creation— which they were at the creation once they came under the power and, in a sense, under the ownership of Satan because they sinned, the rule of creation was also, in a way, handed over to Satan. You know, it makes me wonder if that was part of Satan's motivation in tempting Eve in the first place, to get control of the material creation. (laughs) Yeah, well, we know he wanted to rule, so surely having dominion over the material creation would have fit with his desire. But now I want to be careful as I answer Everett's question to be specific in the answer, because he asked if all creation had to be redeemed. And I'm not sure what parts of the entirety of creation were handed over to Satan, but surely the world was, just as Jesus said. Satan was the ruler of the world. So I don't know if that would include space, for example, and all the galaxies, but the part of creation that matters to us, the part that God had given man dominion over back in Genesis 1 was, as it seems from Scripture, handed over to Satan, the most important part of that world being the people in it. And it does seem, from the principles taught in the Old Testament and from clear teaching in the New Testament, God had to redeem people, that is, save them, by changing the ownership back from Satan to himself. And we know that that was done through a transaction that cost Jesus, cost God, dearly. That's right. Here is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So, where did the price get paid? On the cross. So the answer to the second part of the question, the first part being, does Scripture teach that all of creation had to be redeemed? And then the second part, and if so, was it accomplished at the cross? The answer is yes, it was accomplished on the cross. However, I want to make one other point about the redemption Christ accomplished by paying for our sins on the cross. And that is, redemption isn't totally realized until the resurrection. 
There's another passage that speaks directly of the creation being in a bad situation now and waiting for a change, a change in ownership, you might say. In Romans 8, starting at verse 19, it says, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. So that makes it pretty clear that at least part of our redemption definitely has not yet happened. Our full redemption is when we get our new body. That's right. <laughs> and the full restoration of creation won't happen until then either. So for the time being, the ruler of the world is still having his way in the world that he, in a sense, owns, except for those who are no longer part of this world. The born-again child of God is just in it, but no longer a part of it. Here's what it says in Colossians 1.13, For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the program. If you would like to hear this or past episodes of the program, listen to them on our podcast, Scripture on Creation. You can subscribe for free or listen on our website, and you can learn more about our ministry on the website, scriptureoncreation.org. Scripture on Creation is a listener-supported ministry, and your gifts and prayers are greatly appreciated. If you have comments or questions you'd like Dr. Scripture to address, you can contact him by sending an email to scripture at scriptureoncreation.org or call 574-551-1524.